Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. We love it because we're right there with them. We can walk them through a tour of the bike. We can kind of share our experiences and, and anecdotes. And it's 10 times easier to do that through the medium of video because you have this personal connection. Whereas before they would have just kind of like gotten them in and out, run through the script, hit the checkbox, but their satisfaction was actually really high. And so they were spending more time on some of these calls to provide really good customer service. And not only that is, look at my face, I'm without a beard and I'm an honest person. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you looked so angry they would have been terrified of you and have done anything they wanted. <laughs> I think that would have worked too. A big part of learning a new hobby like woodworking is learning an entire vocabulary so that you can even talk to other people intelligently about it. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world, and um, welcome to the Intuitive Customer Podcast uh, yet again. You can see, for those of you that can see, i.e. you know we're now doing this on video, we have two bearded guests, well, one bearded guest and one normal co-host uh, in the shape of Ryan. Oh, that's the first time you've called me normal. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Today, we have a special guest on the show, uh, Johan Hannesson. He's from a company called Stream, who are partnering with us uh, for this uh, show today. And we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic, which is really about video and the use of video in a customer uh, experience. So a bit more about that in a minute, but let me first of all, so first of all, Johan, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. So just a bit of background on Johan. I've been given some uh, details and Johan has been um, in software development for the past uh, decade, starting out as a web developer before moving into product management. He primarily builds tooling infrastructure and apps for content and behavioral marketing products. And he's currently the head of web development at uh, Stream. So welcome, Johan. Thank you. I thought this was a really interesting topic to talk about because let me, let me give you a couple of examples recently where I have thought that being able to see somebody at the other end of the screen would have greatly enhanced the experience that I was having. Just being able to see us now, you know, for, for those of the people that are physically watching this on LinkedIn or uh, uh, YouTube, why is that sort of experience so much better? Uh, and let me give you a couple of examples and then we can dive into this. I recently, I was flying to the States or I will be flying to the States in about a month. And because of all the schedule changes that had happened, I got a notification from Delta to say that the schedule changes have happened and it's affects your flight and please go in and change the flight if you want to, okay? So that's what I did. Uh, they had me flying out of Boston and I wanted to fly out of uh, Atlanta. Anyway, long and short of it was that I was trying to do this without paying any more cost. 
looked at the various flight options and it wouldn't allow me to book a particular flight that would have been at the same cost. So I phoned up the call center and said, hey, you know, having this problem, your system's telling me that I need to call you. And they came back and they looked at the flight and everything else. And then they came back and said, yeah, okay, well, we can do that flight and it's going to cost you, I can't remember the number, but let's say $500 more, right? And I went, well, that's not what your system's telling me. And I really felt like they thought I was lying to them. (laughs) And I really felt that I needed to prove to them somehow that what I was seeing on my screen was absolutely different to theirs. And I thought at that point, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be great if I could just get my phone and sort of point it at the screen and go, look, this is what I can see. And not only that is, look at my face. I'm without a beard and I'm an honest person. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you looked so angry they would have been terrified of you and had done anything you wanted. <laughs> I think that would have worked too. So, so that's one example. Another example is... I recently contacted my doctor because I was having a problem with the left part of my chest, okay, under here. And when I was trying to explain the problem to my doctor, I felt I was sort of describing where the pain was rather than just going, look, it's here, and physically putting my hand on it to be able to show him on the video. I was going, well, no, it's a bit, a bit more to the left. You know, if you went down from the nipple and you went down six inches and, you know, I'm exaggerating to make a point, but you get into that sort of description, don't you? Rather than, as they say, a a picture speaks a thousand words. Let me throw it back to you, Johan. I, I know that you guys provide a system where you can overcome those challenges. Explain how you would have you would have helped somebody in those circumstances, and therefore why why does that improve the experience? Yeah, I think there's there's an element there which is there's this ground truth, right, that you're talking about, which is like you you have it, it's there, it's in front of you. It's either like something on your person or it's something that you're looking at. And when you think about any kind of support experience, there's usually somebody who's challenging you on those facts, right? Because they don't have that proof, so they have to work through it. And it's already adversarial because you're calling into an IT support and they're like, did you turn it on or off? Like, where is it? What does it look like? Immediately, there's no trust, right? Because somebody else is already questioning, have you done the right thing? They're not working with you. They're working against you. So what Stream attempts to do is bypass that entire experience and get you to the ground truth by getting you you know, a link that's sent to you or a code that's given to you to hop onto a video call with a support person, right? In the same way that you would try to work your way through a phone tree to talk to somebody, even then, you're missing a lot of that context. So this is like that next level of, of context that we're providing on a video call. And we see that work really well in cases where you have something, again, that you want to show somebody where like, this is evident, it's visually clear, this is the experience that I'm dealing with. So we have customers that have a grill that isn't working or like an e-bike that, oh, the connector on the battery isn't, isn't going in quite right. And you can shortcut that immediately by just pointing your camera at the, the item that's an issue. So that's the that's the, the crux of the tool is is a quick and easy link to get you 
on the other side with somebody who's an expert. You're no longer relying on the customer's ability to communicate, which can be really hard for non-expert customers. Like, I, I don't know what the name of this e-bike part is called. And so we can talk past each other or we can actually just both see it in the same way. Yeah, you're working on a problem together now instead of somebody attempting to negotiate facts, which I think is a is kind of a powerful framing change. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let me give you another example, uh, because as you were speaking about that, it made me think about this. So on my car, I was going to get a, a rear view camera, rear looking camera, you know, one of these ones. So if you're involved in an accident or something like that, then uh, it's recording everything. And what I didn't want to do is I didn't, I've got an SUV, so I didn't want the cable to be showing anywhere, okay? Now, I'm already starting to struggle because I can't explain the problem. Whereas if I was, if we were doing this in my car, in fact, you did one of these in your car, didn't you once, right? Um, the podcast. I would be able to turn around and go, look, this is the problem. And that is, well, how do I get the tail lift to open? without having a cable in there and and therefore you're getting to the same challenge it really feels to me uh, and it's not just because we're partnering with you on this uh, this uh, show today but it really seems to me that it's such an obvious thing to do that i'm surprised that organizations have not caught on as much as they in my opinion should have because if i go back to my days at I used to work at British Telecom. The cost of a phone call into a call center was about, I want to say, three pounds, so five dollars, something like that. The cost of sending an engineer to a customer site was about forty dollars, something like that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if the engineer's got the wrong part and they've gone to see the customer, that's suddenly a hell of a lot of money that you've wasted because you haven't identified the the right part, isn't it? That's a huge component. That's like the, the biggest benefit that we see for most of our customers is that kind of like first time resolution or avoiding a truck roll altogether. Because usually what will happen is you have an issue, especially if it's something that you're fixing in your home or something in like a very complex device or your car, they want to bring it into the shop or they want to bring an expert out there to take a look. They don't necessarily know what they're going to need to bring with them. So they just have sort of their whatever is most common, right? Oh, like there could be a spark plug. So I've got those. It could be this common issue. So I've got a couple spare parts, but they may show up, spend $100 of their time. And now that's $100 of your money sure. on finding out what the issue is. And then they've got to come back again and charge you for that as well. And so the, there's a big increase in quality of life for folks who are doing that kind of triage because they can just tell you to move the, the phone up to the place where this part is, you know, and on stream, you can tap a button and it'll take a screenshot from the phone. And now they've got your, you know, the, the ID number for the part or the barcode. They can look that up. They might just be able to mail that to you. Or when somebody shows up, now it's the right part and they've done it once. You've saved some money. They've saved some money. It's like hugely shortens that cycle. Sure, absolutely. So Ryan, talk to us about what's happening here in the sense of 
why is video just so much better than a phone call? Why do why do human beings prefer this stuff? Well, I mean, there's there's two levels where it can help. Where right? one of which we've we've talked about already, which is just kind of the level of information. I think there's a lot of direct information to be had. But the other was was hinted at in some of your examples too, which is just the the ability to facilitate communication. So being able to look at another human being when you're talking to them as opposed to, to audio only. To give you some I- idea, I have a research paper on rapport in negotiations. And so we run experiments and we have these various treatment conditions. It's such a powerful effect to have video communication that changes the nature of communication so much that that was all we did in one of the experiments. Is in one of the experiments, the negotiation was conducted over the phone and in the other, it was conducted over video conference. Right. And that alone was enough to experimentally result in such a difference in interpersonal rapport that we were able to look at whatever we were actually interested in that study, like to just seeing somebody right. versus not versus just hearing them has these just huge effects. They're not a disembodied voice. They're a, a human they're a person. Sure. I presume that goes back to the fact that what do they say? Something like only or 80% of communication is nonverbal? I, I don't know the percentages, but yes, some communication right. is nonverbal, and it's probably a lot. Yeah. I mean, right. we, from an evolutionary standpoint, we, we evolved to communicate long before we developed language. So, yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal. Sure. And if I, think of, I th- if I think of my wife, she definitely communicates to me when she's not very happy with me, and she doesn't have to use words. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that knife hurtling towards your head. I mean, there's no... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting, actually, because I've used video like we're using now for years. So as, a, as I mentioned, I've, I used to work at British Telecom. And consequently, they were sort of promoting home working for, for years before that, because obviously it was using their telephone lines. And therefore, I've, I've used video for years. And it's interesting because when we are beyond philosophy, we've therefore used video for the teams for years. And I've also used it with clients for years. So the interesting bit and the bit I'm trying to get to is going pre-pandemic, it was seen to be not a taboo subject, but it, you know, lots of customers didn't really, lots of our clients would didn't really, I wouldn't say they didn't like it, but they preferred face-to-face. Yeah, understandably. Or you would dial in to a conference call. And I always found those a challenge. But then since the pandemic, it's obviously video has taken off. And whilst I'm absolutely, in my view, face-to-face communications is still the best, this by definition is second best and can certainly save you a hell of a lot of time and, and effort, can't it? Johan, I can I can come up with, uh, it's, it's not hard to anticipate where this might be useful. Do you have any favorite, though, use cases? Are there any unusual situations that, that you like to tell people about where, where this kind of service has helped? I think there's there's some cases where things have obviously gotten easier, right? Kind of your, your standard, well, just, just show me the item. Uh, but some things that have come about as a part of like the user experience, both for the expert and for the person on the other side, that was kind of surprising to me. We have an e-bike company, which I mentioned earlier, that works with us. And typically, 
you see sometimes the call time can go up a little bit because you're capturing more information, right? And then the upside is you have far fewer calls and you resolve it correct the first time. They had a couple instances where the calls were, were going for a really long time. And we had some questions about that. Like, why are you all of a sudden, you know, on like an hour long call? And part of that was the expert on the other side of the call felt really comfortable doing basically like a showroom style like session with folks who were calling in as if though they were in the shop. And so they said, like, we love it because we're right there with them. We can walk them through a tour of the bike. We can kind of share our experiences and, and anecdotes. And it's 10 times easier to do that through the medium of video because you have this personal connection. Whereas before they would have just kind of like gotten them in and out, run through the script hit the checkbox, but their satisfaction was actually really high. And so they were spending more time on some of these calls to provide really good customer service because that rapport was there. Whereas before it was just in and out. So that was really interesting because typically that's not something we anchor on. So to be clear, therefore, you're talking about the employee experience. Yes. It is really good as well because they're providing better service and can get on better with the customers and all the rest of that. Yeah. And so that's, that's a piece that I think is has been a, a consistent but good surprise. I think for for Traeger, one of our, our best customers, their their agent, you know, NPS, not the end, end customer, but their agent NPS is well upwards of like in the 90s. It's very high and they really enjoy using this particular tool for, for that reason. Like they've got that rapport. They can kind of see the impact of their work directly on the product, in this case, the grill that they're fixing. So that, that to me was a really pleasant surprise. And I think that also bubbles through in terms of the, the end customer experience too. You know, folks are, they're enjoying helping you. So have, have, are most of the applications around, I don't know, let me call it improving the experience or are they around more of the, let's try and identify the part or whatever else to be more accurate in our fixing of the of the problem. I'm not sure if I framed that very well, but you get the idea. I think folks come to us typically for the latter. They're talking about how do we make our customer experience flow more effective, more efficient, sure. especially over the last two years, you know, with lockdown, oh, we can't send a contractor out or, you know, yeah, we're, we're more limited. Yeah. I think that's been a lot of the conversation. And then they're finding upsides as they kind of work through the different scenarios. They'll usually start a pilot and say, okay, what's something we can't solve on the phone or we have to send somebody out to find out in person? Okay, let's let's route those calls to video. And then they kind of slowly expand out and find some of these things that are maybe more delightful experiences like the, the e-bike vendor, but they sort of work their way into those. And there's areas where it's not as good, right? But they typically start from that efficiency perspective. And there's also limited trades people. I think that's a, a thing that we've you know, been seeing is there's like a labor crunch for folks who have experience in the trades in the US. So not being able to send somebody out on a call each time, if you can't have the customer kind of record things and give you that context. I think it was British Gas who's doing sales quotes for boiler installs and EV charging station installs. Yeah, And they're, you know, Cycle time, their like quoting capacity increased by like 200% because they weren't having to go on site. They were able to like see a video of the space, quickly do an assessment. So it's like a huge cycle time improvement. So now if you have 10 contractors, you're doing twice as much work. You're not having to, you know, 
fight in this crowded market of employers trying to find very few skilled trades people, that's been a benefit too. Yeah. Here is Anna talking on the show. Hi, Colin and Ryan. I'm in a pickle. How do you operationalize your journey mapping? We don't want CX to become some fluffy thing that is not practical enough. Therefore, we want practical steps on how to get started the right way. Thank you. Anna's pickle was wonderful. Would you like to appear on the show just like Anna did? If you want to record your pickle, go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle and look for the big red record button. We'd love to hear from you too. So one of the things I was just thinking about was I would imagine that the the amount of fixes that get made improve. So, so let me be clear what I'm talking about. I phone up thinking that whatever it is is broken and it hasn't broken. It's just I'm incompetent and I haven't pressed the right button or I haven't fixed it properly or whatever it may be. And through the video, I'm presuming that people would be able to say, yeah, we'll just fit that in that. And I, I, here's an example. Ryan will know that I've recently started to play the guitar, okay? Now, on the bridge of the neck of the guitar, sorry, not the neck of the guitar, on the on the bass, there's a, there's a bridge, a white bridge. And the first time I went to change the strings on the guitar, this white bridge fell out. I didn't even know it was meant to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I started thinking, this isn't playing very well. Uh, I didn't think I was that bad. And I ended up taking it to a music shop and went in there and go, I've clearly done something with my guitar. And he went, well, the bridge isn't there. (laughs) And I felt such a bloody idiot. And the bridge had fallen down underneath the chair, basically. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is if I'd have done that on video, then they would have just gone, where's your bridge? (laughs) And I would have gone, what bridge? I don't even know what that is. So I presume that's the case. Oh, absolutely. I think just like reduced spend overall is is a big one. We've seen like, you know, 50% reduction in like overall cost to resolve, you know, a particular class of issue. Uh, I think for for Traeger, that was the case. Their spend on resolving their warranties dropped 50% because they didn't have to mail a part because, oh, it's dirty, right? Like we saw a video of the grill and it's just, you got to clean it, right? Like go in there with a brush and like, it's going to be good as new. So there's little things like that where, yeah, oh, you have you're leaning your bookcase against it and it's not going to work if you're leaning your bookcase against it, right? All kinds of like funny things where like you just don't intuit why something would break and they can give you a quick option to solve it and that resolves it, right? So tons of those small little examples where just if you had seen it or seen where something is, that's another big one is you think about like a boiler installation. Oftentimes what matters is the space that you're in right? Like, is it in a confined space? Was it installed improperly? Is there stuff like stacked up all around it? Those things all have an impact. And you might not even think to mention it, but the moment an experienced installer just sees that, they're like, oh, I've got it, right? Similarly, you think about a mechanic and somebody, you drive your car in and they're like, we're going to go around the block and I'm going to listen for a sound. Well, what if they could just hear the sound, right? What if somebody could just put the phone next to the, the dishwasher and they're like, yeah, there's a screw loose, and it's bouncing around on the inside. So lots of little, tiny little things like that that you miss out on otherwise, where maybe there's no fix to do at all, or maybe you're just cleaning it. Yeah, 
no, no, that's a that's a good point. Ryan, it's making me think of your um, woodworking, because I would imagine that in a specialist area like that, then the the amount of people that know and can advise has got to be limited, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, I go back to this idea that that we come up with before, but that I hadn't considered until this conversation, which is just the the importance of the level of expertise in communicating. So it can be nearly impossible to communicate effectively about something for which you're inexperienced. And there's just so many things that we buy and use that we don't like, we don't know the names of. Like, so a big part of learning a new hobby like woodworking is learning an entire vocabulary so that you can even talk to other people intelligently about it. And so as skilled as you're, you know, frontline employees are trying to solve problems. Like if, if they don't know the words you're using and, and they can't come up with adequate descriptions, like I, I can see where this strips out a whole layer of frustration on both sides or we can just bypass all of that. So Johan, is, is there a, is there a case study you could share with us of an organization that has done this? Yeah, absolutely. American Home Shield, I think is, is the big one where we saw just like a, a huge, huge reduction. So they've adopted this for the majority of their like home insurance, like warranty claim support cases. You call in any number of your appliances could have gone awry or there's some issue in your home. It's kind of like a a slam dunk use case. They eliminated repeat home visits on like over 70% of calls, which is like a, it's a massive, massive reduction. And they're resolving, I think around 10% of calls without any on-site visits full stop, those just went away, right? And those are the kind of small fixes of like, clean the thing, you know, just adjust where this is placed or reach around the back and flip this switch to reset it. You know, those kinds of resolutions were really huge. So those are quantifiable truck roll reductions where multiple contractors are not going out. You're not having to replace an entire appliance. And that's really kind of changed the the, the nature of, of how folks are, are resolving their issues. So I'd say that's that's one of the the biggest numbers that we can point to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can see that. Hey, I can see where the technology too would be useful. Like I I had a insurance claim and I took some pictures of it and looked at the pictures and realized that like I, I'm terrible at taking pictures. Like just the proportions seemed wrong. Like it seemed it was a it was looked like a tiny crack in the picture when in reality it was a it was a big crack. So you can imagine where pictures are going to be inferior to video, mm-hmm. and where video is going to be inferior to like a guided video, where somebody yes. yes. them just saying, "Okay, well now we need to see the back of it." All right, well now we need to get closer to that thing there, where it would just it would save a lot of time and frustration again. Well, it's also just trying to find them. I mean, we had something go wrong with our in a, with our fridge, and just trying to find the bloody model number. Oh, I can help you. It's on the bottom. Yeah, you need to lift it up. Uh, yeah. that's, that's right. <laughs> no, and, you, and not only that, then then the bloody thing's only about what, a centimetre or an inch by an inch, and there's 27 numbers on it, and you can't read the bloody thing. In fact, when you think about that, that starts to say using this as – because if you're sensible and you're even using the video you're talking about here – using that to collect information on some of the problems that customers have would be worth its weight in gold anyway, basically, wouldn't it? 
And there's a, there's a feedback loop that you start building too, which is now you have all of these examples with photos, with video, with audio of like how common issues are manifesting instead of relying, you know, if you send out a contractor and maybe they're not your contractor, you may never know. You're just relying on them resolving it. But now you're starting to build this index of, of common problems and, and, and how, to, how to solve them. So that's, that's a piece too that the American Home Shield is using to like, they, they update their training. So now they can pre-qualify with questions better up front. So it, you kind of get this virtuous cycle that you would never get if you just had a phone call because the information isn't there. So yes. that's one piece too that I think is is really a big deal. And to the to the point about the like barcodes and the model numbers, the one thing that we do, which I think is great with like a little bit of visual computing, is we auto detect the barcode and then read it and then attach it to the case. Oh, right. So we do a little text recognition. And so we just have on the call, the expert can say, just point your phone at the serial number model number. And then that gets, that gets pulled in. So that's one of those tiny little quality of life things where we're like, so long as you can get to it, we can, we can handle the rest. Because exactly the same thing, right? You're like, is it this one? There's like six numbers on here. Do you need the QSY at the end? And not only that, I mean, Ryan and I will tell you what the problem is because you're then going, I, I can't bloody say it because it's the, it's too small. Or, and I don't know if that's a, a B or a D or what am I looking at, basically. So that's really good. That's I mean, really it's good. always paired on the same tag with three other numbers. That oh, yeah. also, you don't know which one is the serial. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try and pull this together then. If there was you know, a, a piece of practical advice, so somebody listening to this and, you know, they're, they're thinking to themselves, yeah, maybe I should be looking into this. What would you suggest that they do? What's a piece of practical advice that people could take away and do? I think the the biggest piece is, especially if you if you are like sending out parts or doing replacements for things that can be repaired or need to be repaired or replaced, you know, most companies, they know what those scenarios are. They're the most expensive ones that they have, right? And there's there's typically multiple processes around that, but usually it's it's part of your escalation flow. Like these are the things that went through level one to three support because we don't know and we don't have enough information. So those are typically the cases where you can start to pilot. And it's usually a very small and, and limited set of cases. So when we're talking to folks, how do we evaluate if video is going to work? Well, you can test out with a very small set of things where you know for a fact that just having eyes on would be the easy way to do it. It also limits your, your surface area and the amount of training that you have to do initially to, to triage those things. But I'd say typically there's somebody in your organization who already knows this, either on your like call center or support team or you know somebody who's, who's running up the cost tallies for repairs. And that's usually a good place to start is like, where are those things that require a lot of manual intervention or a lot of replacement? That's basically your pilot right there is is that exact scenario. And then folks can very easily discover, right, as agents or support people or even your contractors get more comfortable where you can you can level those things out into into new scenarios. But that's where you can vet it out. So a lot of folks have started with like, well, we'll just try out, maybe we'll send folks like a, a video link to something that is like, you know, a commonly used video call service just to see if this is like, making it any easier. If you can visualize the scenario, you're probably already ready to 
to start testing it out. That's typically how we recommend a pilot take place. And yeah, I, I'd say your organization probably has the data and it's it's probably the stuff that's making yeah, yeah. both your yeah. experts and, and support yeah. people. I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's a load of low hanging fruit out there, basically. Ryan, any final thoughts from you? Um, th- this is the kind of technology that I love to see. Like that, there's, there's so much out there where it's kind of technology for technology's sake. It's like, oh, well, here's the new toy. You know, I think about the the press releases that Meta has been releasing, where it's like, well, now you're going to be able to hold the same boring meetings, but in cartoon form. And it's like, <laughs> that? like what, what are we doing here? I think that there were a number of very practical solutions to real business problems that a technology like this can solve in ways that both improve efficiency and potentially improve the experience for the customer and for the employees. Like this, this seems like technology aimed towards something real, which is lovely to see. I love that. Yeah. And, and from, from my part, I mean, bear in mind again, going back to my days at PT, we were, I was running call centers where people were phoning in and creating faults and we were sending out engineers. I would have loved something like this, to be honest with you, because a, a, there's a whole thing around just building a relationship that we haven't really even talked about having a personal relationship with somebody and being able to see them, let alone the whole bit about, look, there's this widget or, you know, actually you just need to clean the thing or whatever else, let alone then the feedback, which I think was a good point, Johan, that you made about the getting the feedback directly from the customer and not through either a third party or from a somebody that isn't going to feed that information back into the center. So, so this has been really good, Johan. Thank you very much for your time. If people want to get hold of you, then how do they how do they do that? They can find me on on LinkedIn. I'll be the one who's not a uh, footballer, right? Most likely, when you do the search uh, at Stream, we'll obviously put a link to both of these in the show notes. So LinkedIn and where else did you say? You can go straight to to Stream.com if you're so inclined and have been absolutely mesmerized by the, the opportunity. <laughs> but also, if you just want to chat about it, uh, happy to happy to reach out to anyone on, on LinkedIn and, and have a conversation about your use cases. I didn't realize we had to to do this kind of disclaimer, but Colin and I are also not footballers. I don't, I don't, apparently, we're doing that now. Well, we have to define what we mean by football, first of yeah, all, because true. I don't know if you're talking about soccer or... Oh, I, I can football. get ahead of you. I'm not either. Um, not, nothing uh-huh. related to that. No. Well, you I was uh, your Cleveland's yeah. Browns, aren't you? <laughs> I was calling out soccer because there's a uh, there's a Johan who uh, beat me in the Google rankings. Uh, Johan's a very soccer name. It's a very soccer name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is great. Good. Okay. Well, thanks for everyone for joining us uh, today. Hope that's been of use, and we look forward to having you back on the show next week. Thanks very much. Cheers, everyone. See ya. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. The Intuitive Customer.